Well, welcome to Being Creative. My name is Rick Leaf, as you know, because I'm the host of this show where I say things and then laugh out loud because I find me super interesting. And I'm sure you will, too. Um, (laughs) See, Uh, for today's episode of Being Creative... It's story time with drag queens and internet memes and backstage convos with Métis elders that somehow help us make sense of this crazy world. Um, So that's what we're going to do. Before I do that, I should share with you that a deep dive forensic audit on the Google Analytics seemed to suggest that three, even at times up to four people listen to Being Creative. So with my trifecta of listeners all dialed in, I think we should jump straight into it. I'm glad you're here. So today's episode is uh, inspired by yet another news item. Uh, of a pastor and a bunch of Christians targeting drag queens and story time. Um, I saw it uh, yesterday or the day before. I don't know. Let me see. It was in the Calgary Herald. Let's just read uh, the title, at least. Calgary Public Library postpones drag story time after protesters shout at parents and kids. Uh, Derek Reimer, a pastor with Mission 7 Ministries, was charged Friday after several people shouted homophobic slurs at children and parents at a drag story time in Seton. This was published March 3rd, 2023. Uh, At the bottom of this uh, photo here of the outside of the library, it says a Calgary pastor is accused of a hate-motivated crime after a protest against a drag event at Sutton Library. Let's talk, shall we? Oh, Derek. (laughs) I don't know Derek, and I don't need to. Uh, And neither do you. Uh, Here's the thing, man. The, The first thing that strikes me, you know, it's not enough that Derek has his own stage. Because he's got his own church, right? So he's got his own stage. He's got his own building, which means he's got his own platform to tell his story week after week to the servile masses sitting passively in row upon row ingesting his garbled word salad. No, it's not enough. He needs to dress up in the finery of his own story staggering arrogance and insufferable ego and head out onto the street prancing and preening like some misguided fundamentalist show pony misinterpreting and misquoting and misrepresenting the truth as he sees it which by the way to all three of you is what this is really all about not truth not kids not stories it's about the world the way Derek sees it. So let's talk about how he sees the world. Derek. 
to understand the way Derek sees the world, this uh, pastor in, in Calgary who is uh, yelling and screaming homophobic slurs at parents and kids, as Jesus would have done, clearly, um, <laughs> to understand how Derek sees the world, I have to tell you a story uh, that happened to me many years ago. I was hosting and producing uh, a local TV show in Winnipeg called The Artist Next Door. And uh, for this show, we were featuring the unique characteristics of distinct neighborhoods around Winnipeg through the artists who lived and performed and created there. It was really a fun show. We did three seasons of it. Um, and if anybody who knows anything about Winnipeg, other than you know calling it Winterpeg and that there's a bunch of mosquitoes, everybody knows... Winnipeg is a, is known for its culture, and it certainly is. I will probably, I feel resigned to the fact that I will never live in a city um, as culturally diverse and rich as Winnipeg. And for this show, the French Quarter in St. Boniface was a no-brainer. It's the largest French-speaking community in Canada outside of Quebec, and I assumed, as we all did, uh, on the production team, that this would be probably our best show, our our easiest show to put together because, you know, there's so many, you know, such a, a rich cultural community and, and so many amazing artists. And honestly, it wasn't. It was one of the hardest shows, uh, most sparsely attended um, shows. And as soon as it was over... Um, as soon as we finished filming that episode, I was backstage in a conversation with a francophone Métis elder, uh, David, uh, who has really been um, instrumental for me understanding a lot of things over the years. And uh, I said, man, I thought this was going to be the most fantastic show and it was going to be amazing and, and it really wasn't. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's the minority mentality. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, the minority mentality. It's, it's us versus them. It's, it's when people look at, you know, it's us versus everyone. And in, and in this case, you know, in, in Winnipeg, uh, he would be like, you know, so there's this idea that, that it's us here, the, the French on this side of the river versus them. And, and them is everybody. It's every English speaking person or every other culture in the city, the, the German community and the Polish community and Ukrainian and the Filipino and East Indian and the indigenous and the Irish, everybody in Winnipeg uh, is them. And it's just us. And when you have an us versus them minority mentality, you look at resources that way. So he said, you know, if you look at it like, let's say there's a hundred bucks total out there for cultural programming here in St. Boniface. Uh, if this event tonight received $10 to support it, he's like, you, you can't celebrate um, the success of anyone else when you look at the world this way because you're looking at it like everybody else's uh, success is coming at your expense. If if they got $10 for their event, that means there's only 90 left for the rest of us. And your perspective on community and your respect, your perspective on culture and, and supporting each other 
it's it's uh, completely limited, and and everybody else is in competition with you. And really, what does that come down to? It comes down to othering, othering everyone, and this othering mentality is the mentality on display in horrific clarity with pastors like Derek Reimer and Christians that are othering drag queens who just want to read stories to kids. And when you're an in, when an individual buys into othering, you, you no longer see yourself in others. You're blind to the shared experiences. You're blind to shared hopes and dreams, to love and loss and passions and humor. In that othering of everyone, diversity isn't beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it's the problem. And, and this is the way that this idiotic pastor, Derek Reimer, sees the world and everyone in it. And what can we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. show um, called Native Waves. Uh, the host was Janet Rogers. She was the poet laureate for the city of Victoria at that time. And I got to her show, and uh, I believe it was when it was all wrapping up, we were off air, and she just said, you know, you should come to the First People's House on, I don't know if it was Wednesday, Thursday night. Um, uh, there's a Anishinaabe uh, powwow drum, and it's, um, you should come and hang out with the drummers or whatever. And I'd wanted to sit at a, at a big drum my entire life, basically, ever since I first saw and heard one at my first powwow. But of course, it's not my culture. Um, so there's no real reason to believe that I ever would be able to sit at a drum. But this drum in particular was uh, from the First People's House um, at the University of Victoria. It was a teaching drum. Rob Spade was the drum keeper. He'd... Uh, gone through all of the, the protocols and all of the ceremonies and the relational kind of um, aspects of, of opening up this drum and getting the permission um, from the elders. Uh, Skip Dick was the, the Songhees elder who Rob talked to and said, you know, do I have your permission or your blessing to share my teachings and my songs uh, here in your territory? Um, and he got that permission. And so here, I had the opportunity to walk in and sit down at this drum, which I'd always wanted to sit at. And it became known as Standing Nation. And for four or five years, I had the, the privilege of, of drumming with Standing Nation. And, and uh, it was one of the highlights of moving to Lekwungen, um, one of the highlights of my life, to be honest. And for the two years that I sat there beside Rob as he was our drum keeper, Week after week, going into a story or coming out of a story, he often had this phrase, you can't tell anyone what to do. And uh, the first time I heard it, I was like, boy, isn't that the truth? And I, I've been honest in, these, in this podcast series before 
um, you know, that I came from a religious background. That's how I was raised. And in that relation, you know, in that um, environment that I was raised in, uh, everybody told everybody what to do, particularly the pastors and guys like Derek Reimer. Uh, everybody told everybody what to do. Uh, religion was all about othering everyone. We othered Catholics and we othered uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. We othered people who didn't go to church. We like we othered everybody. Oh my God! You know, it depends on what decade you were in, but you would other. Um, people who were divorced, you'd other people who smoked cigarettes, you'd other people who, whatever, it didn't matter. It was all about us and them and who you othered. That was the way uh, I was raised. And so when, uh, when I sat there with Rob and the very first time he said, you know, you can't tell anyone what to do. Oh, I, it was just like such a simple phrase that really had such a dramatic uh, impact on me because and it saved me years of frustration you know um it uh with of arguing with people i had argued i'd spent so many hours so much energy arguing with people like this idiot derek reimer in calgary who's you know yelling and screaming and and homophobic slurs at drag queens and parents and kids like what kind of a dick right and uh but i would have you know at one point in my life i would have argued with that guy i would have i would have thought there's a way that telling him if that, that i would probably have believed that if i could have just exposed the error of his ways he would like turn and say oh rick thank you so much now i see why drag queens um telling kids stories is such a great idea never never gonna happen it's not about enlightenment or, or anything that he doesn't understand. It is about othering people. Um, it also reminded me of, uh, I'm sure you've maybe seen this meme online, where it's like, welcome to the internet, where your opinion doesn't matter and no one cares about your feelings. Like, that was it. You can't tell anyone what to do. And particularly online, you know, welcome to the internet where your opinion doesn't matter and nobody cares about your feelings. That kind of sums up um, this whole uh, experience when you meet somebody who's othering those who are around them. Now, it even goes deeper for me than that. And I, I want to share with you here my own drag story um, because I always wanted to dress in drag. And when I finally did uh it was the best getting dressed up and i man i really just went to town i found some people who were going to help me my partner was not willing to help me at all so i had to go find people in the community who would help me and you know i went to value village to buy my first bra which is when i realized how outrageously expensive um, lingerie is for women. I don't know how they afford anything. Man, it was terrible. And I went to somebody, you know, I, I was like shaving my chest. I was shaving. I should have shaved my arms. And looking back on it in the pictures, I really wished I would have shaved my arms too. But um, just got somebody to do my makeup and my nails and my lashes and, and uh, got this whole um, uh, great, Outfit, sexy little outfit, me and my little mini skirt. Oh, it was just like amazing. I felt like a million bucks, really. And had the time of my life. It was so fantastic. And that, so 
uh, that was in the fall of whatever year. And lots of pictures. There's a great video somewhere floating out there. I, I don't know where it is. I wanted to find it the other day, and I, I can't find get my hands on it. But, uh, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And we invited everybody that we hung out with, and the house was packed. And we had a DJ in the basement who was just playing great music. So there's tons of dancing, tons of just... It was, like, the best of times, really. And it was eight months later and uh i also have this kind of hybrid career where you know I've, i think i've shared in in previous podcast episodes where i had found this community this kind of rock and roll evangelical community that i was uh, had established my initial part of my musical career out of and as i was kind of leaving uh religion and organized religion and all that kind of stuff i still had so many um relationships or a reputation at least in those communities that when I went to set up tours sometimes it would be in coffee shops or pubs or bars and the next night you might be in a town where it'd be like a house concert with people that knew me from those years and on rare rare occasions there would actually be a church that would still want to book me to come do uh, a concert um, probably not in their, you know, official capacity, but maybe they had a, you know, a room, a fireside room or something, and there'd be a number of people who would still be interested in the kind of music that I was uh, writing, and they would host me. And so that's what happens. I mean, I'm uh, living in Winnipeg, but I'm on tour in the summer, uh, and I was in Kamloops. I'd done a show, a backyard party with a bunch of hippies the night before, and that was super fun, and it was great. We woke up in the morning. And uh, somebody came into the room and they said, Rick, there's uh, this guy, this pastor or whatever on the church, or uh, this pastor is on the phone. He, he called. And, and so I, I pick up the phone and this is like, yeah, so this is the, I'm supposed to be driving to Kelowna to do the show that night. And this happens to be one of those, uh, there was a back room of this big, massive church. And uh, somebody was hosting me to do this um, show. So I get on the phone, kind of, you know, don't know why this person's phoning me. And I get on the phone. It's like, hey, this is the pastor of this church that you're supposed to be coming to um, tonight. And uh, look, there's this report or there's this, um, it has been reported or however you put it, you know, there's this story that, that you dressed up in drag like, again, this is, you know, back in the fall, eight months previous, nine, ten, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Uh, so there's this report that you you were dressed in drag and uh, that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. That's basically it. That's all they knew. And it's like, is this true? I'm calling to see if this is true, because if this is true, you can't come and do a concert here tonight. The leadership can't let you come and do a concert because eight months ago, you dressed up in a mini with fantastic nails and your makeup was on point. But um, <laughs> I digress. Um, so I said, yeah, totally. Totally, I did. And he's like, um, I said, uh, if, your, um, if your church leadership uh, has a has a problem with it? Why don't they Why don't they call the <laughs> leadership of that um, 
sister church of yours that's in Winnipeg because they were pretty much all of them were invited. Or uh, if you're the pastor of this church in Kelowna, why don't you call the pastor of that sister church of yours in uh, in Winnipeg because they were invited as well. And this is my point. Uh, this pastor said at this uh, on the phone, he's like, I did. I did phone that that pastor. And I'm like, okay, and? Yeah, yeah, that pastor said it was a really great party and, and uh, you know, you looked really cute. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> but I did really look cute. Um, he said, uh, no, yeah, he said it was great. Everybody loved it. Everybody knew about it and it was awesome, but you still can't come. And that is the point. There was no, he set me up to say, I'm phoning. I don't know if I put that into the story yet, or maybe I, I kind of forgot that part. But he was like, I'm calling to tell you, there's been this report that you were in drag. You're supposed to do this concert tonight. I'm calling to, to you know, oh yeah, he said, I'm calling to, to, to let you defend it to see if you want to defend yourself. And I laughed out loud on the phone and I said, well, not to you. Uh, that was it. That was exactly kind of how that conversation went. And I said, if you're, if if you have a problem, why don't you call the pastor? If your leadership has a problem, why don't you call the leadership? They you talk to your others. You know, talk to the people like you. And they he said, well, we did, and they all said it was great. And you still can't come. And that was when I realized that there's no point in arguing. Their mind is made up. They're not, and their mind isn't. They, they haven't made their mind up based on their misunderstanding of details um or anything like that they like that meme they don't care about your opinion your feelings don't matter it's not about truth or anything that you can do or clarify you've been othered and you're nothing more than a caricature in a straw man argument you're uh, a cheaply constructed stereotype really you're one-dimensional nothing you say or do is going to have any impact at all because you're not real their problem isn't with anything that you can clarify or explain. It's not about that. Uh, have you seen this other um, meme that's floating around? It's like, don't take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from. That's it. That's that's this Derek Reimer and, and everybody, all the other, you know, Derek Reimers that are like that, that have othered everyone in society. Um, don't take criticism from them if you wouldn't take advice from them, you know, like, I don't respect this dude's opinion. I don't respect his uh, actions or his uh, anything about him. And that actually, before you accuse me of othering Derek, uh, let's clarify what we're actually talking about at the root of it all. in a situation like this people will be like <clears throat> i mean this has been my experience they'll be like well hey man like you know Derek Rymer, you might be like a good guy you know like you know he might uh, he might you know love his wife and his kids and he might be really you know nice sweet with his dog and and, and he, you know we're not talking about that we're not talking about this individual in uh, their personal life. We're judging the person in the capacity that they are operating. That's 
what we're talking about. This uh, individual, Derek Reimer, he's an idiot. He's mean. He's deluded. He's arrogant. We're not talking about whether, you know, he kicks his dog and beats his kids or cheats on his wife or pays his taxes or or if he's a, a loving, super honest person and all those things. We're judging his actions and his words and behavior and the capacity in which he's operating in the situation, which is... Uh, in this situation, he's an arrogant, self-righteous idiot whose bloated ego has swollen his head to gargantuan proportions. So the world and everyone in it is distorted. He, he, we're not talking about he, him in some other capacity. It's in this capacity. And it's so frustrating, you know, if you're trying to hold somebody accountable for that, for what they're doing and saying right here. And somebody wants to say, they, they, it's all about gaslighting, you know? It's like, let's, let's talk about some other aspect of his life. I, there's some, um, I remember somebody talking about, you know, with anybody in this world, you could probably find common ground. You know, the the... I, I remember that conversation back from when Bush was president and they were like going into Iraq and, and we were all protesting that and somebody was trying to argue for the fact that, he, you know, he might be a nice guy, you know, or you, maybe you share, you like the same scotch or the same beer or if you're at a barbecue, he'd tell you a funny story that would make you laugh or whatever. And it's like, well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about his capacity in this particular situation. So that... Um, you can't tell anyone what to do. So save your time and energy. Um, what can you do? What can any of us do in, if you're in a situation like this? If you happen to be one of those parents with your kid and you just wanted to take them to story time at a library and there was going to be this fantastic drag queen that was going to read them a fantastic story and it was going to be this great uh, moment and then it's derailed because of a bunch of idiots like Derek Reimer who are out there uh, screaming homophobic slurs and being absolutely horrific human beings. What can you do? Well, for the first thing, just not being like him, not othering um, others, you know, and which is in this day and age a feat uh, in and of itself. But for yourself, uh, don't waste time arguing. Um, what you can do is make a safe place, be a safe place, a safe space for others. You know, where you hold that safe place for diversity, where you hold that safe place for somebody to, to take a risk, to share their diversity, to share their ideas or whatever. Uh, you know, in those moments, it's going to suck. It's going to seem like Derek Reimer wins if he shuts down the event and the, the, the storytellers aren't able to tell their stories. Um, in those moments with myself and my own kids, I would be like, you know, that's, that's a great place for conversation. You know, I remember, um, remember years ago, my kids were coming home for we, we, when we lived a, basically across the street from their elementary school. So they would often come home for, uh, for lunch. And one day that they came home from lunch, I don't know, we, I don't know how old they were, quite young. 
And uh, I don't know if I was listening to Michael Jackson or whatever, and they'd never really heard it. And I was just like, listen to this song. Listen to how funky this song is. And, and you know, whether it was Billie Jean or Beat It or whatever it was. And uh, I might have shown them, you know, dialed up a YouTube video, showed them, you know, what kind of a dancer, how great of a dancer Michael was and, and his song. And we just had this great time. And so my kids would have gone back to school and probably said to their friends, oh, Michael Jackson's amazing. And, uh, and you know, my son comes home at the end of the day and he's like, yeah, his kids, you know, said that Michael Jackson's gay or he's a fag or whatever. And, I, you know, you can't tell somebody what to do. You can't argue with all of these kids. You can't argue with their parents, whatever. But I was like, for us, I mean, it was that place to open up a conversation about... Um, about inclusion, about celebrating the differences of other people, about being accepting for everyone, including those who aren't like us. And in by having those conversations, you know, with the people who are around us that are open to those conversations in that situation, certainly with my was my kids. Uh, but, you know, I've been part of communities for my entire life that were that have been open and accepting of diversity, um, unlike anything the way I was raised and anything like the community that I participated in in my early and mid-20s. Um, and ultimately, you know, where each of us are responsible for the foreseeable consequences of our own actions. You know, we're not responsible for things that, you know, were done by people who look like us. Um, people in history, people, whatever it's like, but we are responsible for how we uh, walk through these spaces that have been created, many of them unsafe and, and uh, for, for others. And, you know, I just, when I read this article in the Calgary Herald, uh, like I'm sure if there's three of you listening, <laughs> I'd like to think that all four of us uh, would feel the same. It's just like, it's so frustrating. It's like, why can't the Derek Rymers of the world stay in their, their boxes, their mental and physical boxes, where they have their own stages and their own mics and lights and platforms to spout whatever stupidity they want? Why do they have to keep coming out and trying to take away what little space. It's like, I doubt that this library in Calgary has daily or weekly opportunities for families to come bring their children to hear a drag queen tell a story. It's likely this really cool special event and it's ruined by this dick who has to come out and, and project all of his othering onto the world. And so I hope for... I hope for those families, maybe that they went back and had conversations with their kids about what kind of space they want to have in their house and their home and their schools and their classrooms and, uh, and their online spaces too. And uh, you can't tell anyone what to do. So there's no point in arguing with the Derek's rhymers of the world. Um, <sighs> on the flip side of it all, what I left in terms of me personally, when I left that uh, worldview, when I left that actual um, literal and metaphorical kind of box of the way I, you know, 
been encouraged or raised or whatever to look at the world. When I left that box at first, it's very frightening. You're like, I don't know. I don't know how to guide, you know, I don't know how to, how to evaluate anything. Um, but being open to this journey of discovery of yourself and the world around you, having a sense of curiosity um, to ask questions, what a great place to start, um, to ask questions of people who are unlike you, who come from backgrounds and experiences unlike anything uh, you ever could have experienced. Uh, that to me is that curiosity is, is kind of synonymous with creativity. Um, and both of those being a mindset which becomes a lifestyle and that produces the energy that empowers resilience and this confidence to face the challenges that life throws at us and in the process create, create momentum for ourselves and for those who are around us so that everyone whether they're like us or not like us, are thankful and grateful that they've met us and that we are in some way part of their life, whether that's for a, a moment um, in passing or for hours, days, weeks, years, whatever, you know, that we continue to support and create safety and encouragement and life and love and laughter because we don't have enough of that in our world. So, hey... I, uh, I found that article really <laughs> depressing <laughs> last night when I saw it and uh, wanted to spend whatever it's been, half an hour here, just chatting uh, about what we can do to not be like these pastors and individuals who are out there screaming slurs. Those slurs screaming idiots that are... <laughs> I'm laughing because the alternative is to cry or to jump in my vehicle and drive to Calgary and, uh, you know, end up on the street screaming at Derek Reimer and all of his idiotic friends. Uh, anyways, who's got time? Nobody got time for that. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that, particularly me. So, hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's uh, episode. Feel free to leave comments or ask a question. But... Most importantly, remember, my friends, you are capable of infinitely more than you give yourself credit for. So I love you. I hope you're doing well. Until next time.